Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yo, Beth. Yo, Beth. That shit crazy. On a Monday! It's all leaving with your boy, Barry Grant. Catch me on Instagram and Twitter at All Even Podcast. You can listen to the show on SoundCloud as well as YouTube. So like, share, and subscribe to that. It was a great weekend for basketball. Great weekend, period. It's a packed show. Lots of NBA. Pretty much all NBA today. It's Mamba Day. We got a lot of stuff to get to. We're going to talk about these playoff games over the weekend. We had some great ones. We're going to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers current situation. The dumpster fire has started over there. The Brooklyn Nets are trying to zero in on a legendary head coach. Earl Thomas gets kicked out of Baltimore. The NFL gets some good news on their testing front in regards to COVID. I'm going to talk about what NBA teams I feel that are in trouble. And the greatest segment on the planet, Dummy of the Week. So let's get right into it. What a weekend it was for playoff basketball in the NBA. Let's just start off with the games that are currently going on and the ones that ended. The Bucks have beat the Magic 121-106. to They have a 3-1 lead in the series. Giannis was Giannis. He does what he does. He had 31 points, 15 rebounds. The worst number two in the league, Chris Middleton, had 21 points and 10 rebounds on 7 of 19 shooting. The Magic, they fought hard. Vukovic had a big game, 31 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists. They got 19 from Terrence Ross, and it definitely was a hard-fought game. You know, in the first half, it was really, really tight. Bucks were only up like 6 at halftime, and then in the third quarter, it really was back and forth. And then in the fourth quarter, you can see that the Bucks kind of asserted themselves and made sure that this game was not going to get out of hand. They showed their dominance as a team in that fourth quarter. And you can see the real difference between the two teams in that fourth quarter. I just think the Magic ran out of gas. Listen, they've, they've competed in this series. They've made it tough on the Bucks, But we all knew that the Bucks were going to win this series. Now it looks like they're going to play the Heat. The Heat are obviously going to do their part. It may not be today. But we can all see that it's going to be a Bucks heat second round matchup. And man, I cannot wait for that. Giannis versus Jimmy Butler. Woo! Lordy, lordy. You're talking about emotions. You're talking about getting physical. That's going to be a nice one. Next game we have is going to be the Houston Rockets and the Oklahoma City Thunder. They're in a dogfight right now. The game is 103-102. Oklahoma City is up with 454 left in the fourth quarter. Chris Paul has 18 points and four rebounds, while SGA has 18 points, 13 assists. You have Dennis Schroeder off the bench for the Oklahoma City Thunder with 24 points. And for the Houston Rockets, James Harden has 27 points, 14 assists, 
Everett Gordon's chipping in with 23. So it's a tight game, man. I always said that this series had a feeling of like six or seven games. And we're seeing that right now. The first two games were very, very weird. In regards to the game plan for the Thunder, they weren't playing the way they were supposed to be playing. They won over the weekend. Now they're in a dogfight right now. If they win this game, we're even. It's a best of three series. So it's definitely going where I thought it was going to go. When Westbrook gets back, I want to see how the series sways with him being inserted in it. Hopefully, Billy Donovan doesn't shit the bed, but I, I, I can't guarantee that. Turning our attention to the games that happened over the weekend, we had the Jazz and the Nuggets. Jazz win the game 129-127. to 127. Donovan Mitchell goes off for 51 points. Jamal Murray for the Nuggets goes off for 50. And we had a bond burner between these two. Nikola Jokic, he chipped in with 29-7. and seven. Paul Millsap had a good game. So we had some role players that kind of stepped up where they hadn't stepped up in the last two games. Why? It's why they got blown out. Mike Conley for the Jazz was impressive again with 26 points. Rudy Gobert had 17-11. and 11. Jordan Clarkson off the bench with 24. So the Jazz, they're definitely getting timely baskets, timely scoring by their role players. It's really good to see. I didn't really see this coming in regards to how they looked in the bubble, but I think the fact that Mike Connolly is back, he can control that offense, he's the point guard, everything kind of falls into place now. So I think that they have a rhythm. It's, it's really nice to see. I thought that this team was dead, but they're not dead. They're alive and well, and they have a firm handle of this series. 3-1 to one right now. I don't know what Denver does at this point, but I can tell you this about Denver. They don't play any defense. This is the reason why they're in this 3-1 to one hole. They don't play any defense. They can't stop anybody. Not to mention the inconsistent play of Jamal Murray. Had Jamal Murray gave them something like this, I'm not saying that he had to have a 50-piece, but if he was more consistent in Game 2 and Game 3, those games would have been much closer and who knows what would have happened. But the fact that he did not show up, this is why they're in this 3-1 to one hole. And the fact that they've lost three games in a row, is very very concerning that seat under Mike Malone's ass is getting hot I'm telling you I'm really not sure if he's able to make any adjustments for game five because they, they don't have the pieces defensively to stop anyone on the Jazz they can't stop Donovan Mitchell Donovan Mitchell has done whatever he wants to do in this series at whatever time he wants to do it in the series that's the issue as the great Ric Flair says that's the end of it <laughs> like there's nothing that I, I see that can happen that they can be able to overcome this huge 3-1 hole that they're in. I think it's over. And the fact that it's over, Mike Malone might as well pack up his bags. He's an all right coach. He's a, he's a pretty decent motivator, but he's a transitional coach. And transitional coaches are not there for the long haul. Just to give you a little update on the Houston Rockets, OKC Thunder game. OKC is up 113-108 to with 18.4 seconds left. Man, what a comeback that they've had. They were down as many as like 18 in the third quarter. It's incredible, man, but not surprising because this is Houston. They don't play much defense, and they have the worst adjustment-making coach in NBA history guiding them. This is no shock. Billy Donovan's not a great head coach, but like I said before the series started, D'Antoni will keep you in a series because of his ineptitude because of his incompetence and this is what you're seeing if this series is going to be tied going into game five you can probably expect Westbrook to to tough it out and try to get out there I can honestly see him saying I want to play 
Next matchup we're talking about is the Lakers and the Portland Trailblazers Game 3. Lakers win that game 116-108. to 108. LeBron James paces the Lakers with 38 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists. Anthony Davis had a terrible first half. He had 6 points, but then woke up in the second half and scored 29 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists for the game. For the Blazers, Carmelo Anthony had a good game. He had 20 points, 6 rebounds. Damian Lillard had 34 points. C.J. McCollum had 28 points. And they didn't really get much off the bench. There was no production off the bench for the Blazers. And they struggled. They struggled in the fourth quarter. Dame couldn't buy a basket in the fourth quarter. You can see that that target hand that he dislocated his finger on was really bothering him. You can see the shots going left and right. He was front-rimming a lot of his shots, which means that they were fatigued. You can see that this team is really tired. For the last three weeks, Dame and CJ have been averaging like 40-plus minutes a game. They've been in shootouts. They've been playing for their playoff lives, and now that they're here, you can tell that they, they're a little gassed. And when you're going against a good defensive team like the Lakers, it's going to cause fits. It's going to cause frustration. It's going to cause a lot of missed shots. They're fouling a lot as well. They cannot guard anybody without fouling. Hassan Whiteside is a foul machine. Nurkish didn't really have a great game. He's fouling a lot. Their guards are fouling a lot. They're just out of sync, and I don't know if they can catch a rhythm. We're going to see tonight if they can be able to have something and beat the Lakers and tie the series up, but I really don't see it. I don't think that LeBron James and Anthony Davis are going to allow Portland to get back in the series. I think tonight they're going to put the hammer down, go up 3-1, and close it out in five. But to say I'm impressed with the Los Angeles Lakers right now, I am not. They missed 15 free throws in that game. They've had a problem all season with making free throws. It's still an issue, and this is going to hamper them. This may end up being the Achilles heel to not let them win an NBA title this year. They have to make free throws. Their best players are missing free throws. When Anthony Davis misses seven free throws in a game, you're concerned. He's the Lakers' best free throw shooter, and if he's missing seven, you know everybody else is going to miss. Missing and making free throws is contagious. If everybody's making them, you're going to make an effort to make sure that you're not the one to kind of ruin things. It's all a mental game. At that line, it is all a mental game. You have to stay locked in. You got to make sure you keep your mind clear. You can't let any negativity get in there because once it seeps in there, it is not coming out. Period. Danny Green decided to make a couple shots in that game. He's still terrible. 32 minutes, 8 points. KCP had 13 points. He was 3 for 8 from the 3. Not too bad. He can't make another shot, though. He can't make any layups. Don't expect KCP to make a layup because it's not going to happen. And the Lakers are still pretty much waiting for Kyle Kuzma to take off. He has seven points in game three. So they're, they're not getting that great of production from their bench. I will say this, though. Caruso had a good game. Ten points, seven assists, four rebounds. He was all over the place. He played good defense on Dame. He is always going to bring the energy, the intensity, and I like that about him. So I'm definitely curious to see how this game goes. I think the Lakers, like I said, I think they win this game. But anything is possible in the bubble. We all know that. But the best game of the night goes to the Clippers and the Dallas Mavericks. Dallas wins this game in overtime, 135-133. to 133. Magic City Lou paces the Clippers with 36 points. Kawhi Leonard was, was great. He had 32 points, 9 rebounds, and 4 assists. For the Mavericks, Trey Burke had 25 points. Tim Hardaway Jr. had 21 points. Seth Curry can now sit at the table proudly as he has 15 points on 31 minutes off the bench. And Luka Doncic, 43 points, 17 rebounds, 13 assists, 46 minutes played, and the game 
game-winning shot. Finney Smith to inbound. Back to Doncic. Doncic pulls up, three-pointer. Bang! Bang! It's good! Doncic wins the game at the buzzer! Luka's different. There's something about this kid, man. 21 years old and he's so calm under pressure. What really amazes me about Luka is that I remember in his rookie season, everybody was saying that, you know, he's having such a great campaign. He's playing like a seasoned vet. And how is it so easy for him to make the seamless transition into the NBA? And he said that he's been playing professional since he was like 15 years old. He said Euro basketball, where he was playing at, is more physical than the NBA. So he was like, if you can't touch me, what do you think I'm going to do in the NBA? The confidence that this guy had early on, I was like, okay. You know, it, it, it borderlined on cocky and arrogant, but he's really just telling the truth. The league that he played in, which is the second best league in the world, is more physical. You can be able to hand check. You can be able to hip check. Certain things in the NBA that they've taken out years ago, decades ago. So if this kid is used to physicality, and the NBA is pretty much less physical than where he came from, I can understand why he says that. I can understand why it's so easy for him to score, why he makes it look so easy without being a wild, crazy athlete. He's amazing, man. He's amazing. He said something in the playoffs as well that was like, okay, where they were like, oh, your first playoff game, you score 40 points. He said, this is not my first playoff game. Y'all got to stop saying that. I've been in the playoffs before. I understand what pressure situation is. I just been in the playoffs here in the NBA this year. But I'm I'm a seasoned vet at doing this. And man, I like that. I like that confidence. I like that he's giving respect and credit to the league that he came from as well as telling everybody that listen, he's here. He's here for the smoke. He knows what to do. He doesn't need to be coached up. He doesn't need to be told that this is a big game. He got it. He gets it. Luka knows that he is a top five talent. He understands that. Nobody has to tell him. It's a feeling. It's a feeling an athlete has when he knows that he's one of the best. And you can see that. Yeah, his jump shot is a little inconsistent, but his physicality, how he plays the game, how young he is, he's going to be one of the best players in this game for a very long time. He has a Hall of Fame look to him. He just looks that way. He is by far a generational talent. And he's a generational talent that we haven't seen in a long time. A guy that doesn't play above the basket. He's more below the basket. Larry Birdish, Jason Kidd passing ability, is a great rebounder. This kid has it all. He has it all. The only thing he doesn't have is speed, but he has the intelligence. He knows angles. He knows how to get into the lane. He knows how to use your body against you to get where he needs to be. That is years ahead of where he should be in this game. I don't want to see Luka when he's 27, 28 years old. He may average 45 points. He has that type of talent. Just like Steph Curry revolutionized the three-point shot, I think Luka Doncic is going to revolutionize the triple-double. I think that 15 assists and 15 rebounds is just going to be the norm for that kid. He is going to be that type of guy that just rewrites the record books, rewrites history. Luka is definitely the now and the next up. It's going to be fun to watch. After the break, I'm going to tell you about the two teams that worry me the most that's left in the playoffs, as well as the dumpster fire that is the Philadelphia 76ers and the Nets shooting a shot on a Monday. It's all even. I am 
so stressed because I hate my job. Let me guess, you're at a dead-end job and find it hard not to press the snooze button? Well, come down to Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We have campuses in Westbury, New York, Boston, Connecticut, New Jersey, North Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. Develop your skills in broadcast media that include audio production, television, radio, and sports broadcasting. Learn from industry professionals in a small, intimate class setting for a better experience. The hands-on training is second to none. And if you're worried about what to do after graduation, the Connecticut School of Broadcasting helps you to get job placement. Take it from me. It took me seven years to get here, and it's been the best time of my life. Go to GoCSB.com or dial 1-800-887-2346 for a studio tour. And who knows, maybe you'll be the next media superstar. Welcome back, y'all. So I've never played Jenga, but I do understand the premise of how you lose. In your perfect structure that you have built, if you have one or two or maybe three pieces that are out of place, that particular structure can now collapse, causing you to lose the game, causing you to have to build again. Now I bring this up because there's a few teams that are on the verge of collapse, that a couple of pieces are out of place and they can lose everything. The first team I wanna mention is the Denver Nuggets. Denver Nuggets, they have a talented roster. They have a young roster. They have a, a star player in Jokic. But what's the issue with them? The issue with them is that they don't play enough defense, one, and Jamal Murray is one of those pieces that are out of place. He's too inconsistent for him to be called a star. You can't have two bad games in a row in the playoffs where you barely score 15 points and then come and drop a 50-piece. Your team needs you to be better than that. The other piece that doesn't fit is Mike Malone, the head coach. Mike Malone is what I call, and I say it again, a transitional coach. He can develop the guys, he can give them confidence, he can put them on the path to success, but he's not going to be the one to lead them to the promised land. He's not that guy. Just like how Mark Jackson wasn't that guy in Golden State. Just like how Doug Collins was not the guy in Chicago for Michael Jordan. These type of coaches, they serve a purpose, but they're not there for the long haul. That is not their job. Their job is to develop and move on. They need to find themselves a proven winner. They have to find a guy that has been there before that knows how to coach in pressure situations. I'm tired of seeing poor execution down the stretch by the coach. I'm tired of seeing bad plays. I'm tired of seeing terrible sets. They do this all the time. It's not nothing new. They have to bring in a coach like Jeff Van Gundy or try something different with Becky Hammond. I would love to see something like that. You have to bring in a coach that can hold your players accountable. Preach accountability. This is what this young team needs. They need a kick in the ass. They need some consistency. They have to work a little harder defensively. And going back on Jamal Murray, it's almost contract time for this kid. And it's time for him to show up. If he's not consistent enough, how are they supposed to invest max dollars into him and feel comfortable that he's going to be the leader that they want him to be? It's a shot in the dark. It really is. There's too much uncertainty with that move. So there's big decisions on the table for Denver. And if they make the wrong move, the entire foundation is coming down. The next team that I'm really concerned about is the Los Angeles Clippers. I am concerned for the Clippers. The foundation of this team is great. They have Kawhi Leonard. They have a great coach. They have Sweet Lou, Lemon Pepper Lou, Magic City Lou. They have a good bench. 
They have some tough dogs on their team. Pat Bev, the biggest cheerleader, we know that. But there's one piece that just doesn't fit. One piece that's out of place that may bring down the entire structure and they'll have to rebuild. And that is Paul George. Paul George, the guy that calls himself Playoff P. Now listen, he gave himself that name. Usually, it's other people that give you names because of what you do. Your dominance in the playoffs, they will call you Playoff P. He's not Playoff P. His name is Panic P. So from now on, on this show, he's going to be called Panic P. Now, what have we saw from Panic P in this series? Game two, he doesn't show up. He has a terrible game. Then he takes the Instagram and starts jawjacking at the fans, saying he doesn't care about the fans and blah, 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 and what they say about him. Yes, you care, because if you didn't care, you wouldn't take the Instagram and talk about it. Then how do you follow your miserable performance in Game 2? You have an even worse performance in Game 3. Poor Kawhi Leonard. I feel bad for him, because this is not the guy that he signed up to play with. He thought that he was getting somebody that was going to be a dog and serious and locked in just like him. Instead... He got Paul George. I don't know what type of research or who he spoke to that he thought that Paul George was better than this. But I've been saying this since I started this show. Paul George cannot be trusted. They cannot trust him. And this is why if they lose this series, he is going to be a flight risk. Don't be surprised if he wants to go somewhere else. So because of that, just think about what the Clippers gave up to get this guy. They gave up multiple draft picks for multiple years. If they don't win a championship this year and they end up not winning a championship next year, what do you think they're going to have to do? They're going to have to blow it up again. During game three, Paul George didn't even want to shoot the ball. He didn't even want to shoot the ball down a stretch. Then in overtime, they're up one. He drives by his defender and blows the layup. (laughs) You can't make this up. The demons are in his head. The fans are in his head, living rent-free. And I can't say that I'm not happy to see it. For some reason, Paul George has always thought that he's better than what he is. When he left Indiana, nobody cared. When he got traded from Oklahoma City, nobody cared. Now the Clippers are starting to realize what everybody else has realized a while ago. You cannot trust him. You guys remember that game where he was in Oklahoma City, the closeout game where the Rockets beat the Thunder, and Westbrook went off for like 45 points, and Paul George had like six points in a closeout game? Is that a guy that you're supposed to be paying max money to? A guy that cannot be trusted? That Kawhi Leonard now has to do so much to keep this team afloat, keep this team in the series. How does he feel? You know he's going to break down after a while. And of course, Doc Rivers, who's the great motivator that he is, says he's not worried about Paul George, that Paul George actually had a pretty decent line and, you know, he was trying and, yeah, sure. Trying where? Like trying to play defense? Like trying to keep Luka in front of him? Like trying to keep anybody in front of him? Trey Burke went off. Tim Hardaway went off. Seth Curry went off. Finney Smith went off. It didn't matter who he was guarding. They were getting points. Paul George is a head case at this point. And I don't see the Clippers winning this series. I really don't. I picked the Mavs in six. I'm going to continue to wave my Luka flag and my Mavs flag. Mavs in six. And when it's over, they're going to have to make a decision on Paul George. 
Maybe they won't, but I think they should because this is not somebody that's going to redeem himself. He's going to continue to be Panic P, regular season P. He will lead you to the playoffs, and then he will disappoint you in the playoffs. So if that's what they signed up for, I'll get my popcorn. I'll make sure that I watch every dribble because I want to see when the wheels come off the bus. I want to see if the Clippers will be able to find Waldo George. I really do. Could you imagine what this team would be like if they still had Shea Gildress Alexander? Come on, man. You're seeing this kid play at a high level so early in his career. He doesn't look like Paul George. He actually wants to shoot it. So Clippers, take my advice. Get rid of him before it's too late. On to different news. We're going to talk about the 76ers, and they are in free fall. They are in rebuild mode. The dumpster fire is blazing. They fired Brett Brown today, and that was expected after getting swept by the Celtics. There was a good article on Bleacher Report written by Yaren Weitzman that detail all the issues that Philly has had since Brett Brown has been the coach. One of the biggest incidents was when Jimmy Butler got there, and he mentioned it on J.J. Reddick's podcast that they had a closed-door meeting, and nobody said anything. Nobody spoke. And then they left. And then he was like, J.J., you know, something, something ain't right here, man. Like, I don't know who's in charge. I don't know what's going on. Like, I just got here. He ended up taking the responsibilities out of Ben Simmons' hands and gave it to Jimmy Butler, and it was just weird. Like, there was no accountability with Brett Brown. These guys just did what they wanted. Joel Embiid, he wasn't in shape. He was immature. He never got better in regards to his attitude. Ben Simmons wouldn't shoot threes. There was a part in the article where Yaron Weitzman said that Brett Brown took to the media to criticize Ben Simmons. And for the next 26 games, he didn't shoot a single three. There was a lack of respect that these guys had for him. I think they liked him as a person, but as a head coach, they didn't believe in his leadership. Josh Richardson has been outspoken about they need to be accountable. They have to have somebody that holds them accountable. The whole Markel Fultz issue, that was handled poorly. That kid was never given a real shot. They just, they're just confused over there. And then... Let's talk about the roster construction. What made them think that getting Al Horford was a good idea? What made them think that maxing out Tobias Harris with him being the highest paid player on the team was a good idea? I don't get it. Elton Brand needs to now be evaluated. They can't allow Elton Brand to try to fix this without knowing what his plan is. Before you decide that he's going to be the guy to hire the new head coach, you need to know what his plan is to get this roster better, to make this roster look like a competent team. Which one of the young stars is going to go? You can't keep both of them. It's time to make a decision on Embiid or Simmons. Who's leaving? Who's staying? I'm hearing Ty Lue is the leading candidate for this job. It's not a bad fit. I think he'll do a great job with this team. He will hold them accountable. If they don't decide to break up the duo, maybe Ty Lue can get something out of them. Maybe he can get them over that hump. Brett Brown is a transitional coach. We know that. So maybe Ty Lue is the one that can be able to push them forward. But they have a lot of question marks. They have a lot of things to, to discuss. It's not going to be an easy fall, winter for the Sixers. I'll tell you that much. They have a lot of work to do. A lot. And they need to tell MB to put those hot dogs and hamburgers away for the offseason and get serious. And stop crying all the damn time. Like, good God, man. 
Some interesting news coming out of Brooklyn where there's smoke, there's fire. The Nets are going to be aggressively pursuing Greg Popovich. Listen, I like this move by New Jersey. Shoot your shot. The worst Greg Popovich can say is thank you, but no, I want to stay here. I want to coach the Spurs. I want to retire as a Spur. All right, cool. As long as we did our part to make sure we're, we're checking in, that's all we can ask for. So if they don't get Greg Popovich, which I can see it can happen, but it's going to take some, some doing. But if they don't get Greg Popovich, listen, Jacques Vaughn is right there. Jacques Vaughn's a good coach, man. And if they don't get Jacques Vaughn, then they can go probably go after a guy like Jay Wright, maybe Jeff Van Gundy. But Jacques Vaughn deserves a chance. I think he has earned the respect of these young players, and that's big. That's really key. Now, gaining the respect of superstar players like KD and Kyrie, that's a completely different story. I think Greg Popovich has the, the inside track with that. But if they give Jacques Vaughn a chance, I think he can earn their respect. I think he can actually do the job. Or maybe bring Jason Kidd home. Bring Jason Kidd home and let him finish what he started. That would be a good story as well. But if I'm going to put my bet on it, man, I think Greg Popovich will be very intrigued to coach Kevin Durant. I think he's excited to coach Kevin Durant. I think he can be the buffer between Durant and Kyrie. Somebody needs to kick Kyrie in the ass, and Greg Popovich can do that. So it may work out. And when there's smoke, there's fire. After the break, the NFL gets some great news, and Earl Thomas gets the boot. On a Monday, it's all even. Yo, yo, what up? It's your boy DJ G Money representing that Flip the Script podcast. But listen, right now I'm listening, I'm tuned in, I'm tapped in to a brand new podcast called the All Even Podcast with my man Barry Grant. Yo, B, what's up, man? Congrats on the new podcast. I'm listening right now, I'm tuned in. Fire, fire, All Even. We here, let's go. Welcome back, y'all. So the NFL got some good news today. The NFL had 77 positive tests come back negative, and they have a clean bill of health in regards to their players and staff, which is a very good thing moving forward. If the NFL can continue to keep these protocols up and make sure that everybody's on the up and up, I think that they'll have a successful season. If they don't, they're going to have a disaster of a season. Now, can we trust the NFL to continue to do the right thing? Not necessarily because there's times where they like to stumble over their feet. The NFL has to do testing around the clock. There are too many staffers, too many players to not do round-the-clock testing. They got to make sure that they test even up to game day to make sure that everything is okay. I'm hearing reports that they want to, you know, lock down testing 48 hours before a game. You can't do that. You got to make sure that you test on game day because if somebody tests positive, you can't have them in the facility. You can't have them around anyone. That doesn't make sense. So I hope that they kind of tighten up their protocols, make sure that they take this seriously because it's a big deal. It's a huge deal. And they have so much riding on this that if the NFL season has to cancel or shut down, it's not going to be good. It's not going to look great on them, and it's going to be hard for them to recover at the level that they expect. Can anyone imagine not having football on Sundays? Oh my God, what people would do. What would men do on a Sunday? They would just look at their girlfriends or look at their kids and be like, I got to go. I, I got to do something because I'm used to watching football. I'm not used to you in my face. 
I need to do something. So please, NFL, get it together. We're all praying that you get it together. We need football. We need it. We need fantasy football. We need all of it. Don't fuck up. There's only so much Madden that I can play. So many times that I bust my best friend's ass in Madden. Basco, I see you. But come on. We need our football, so make sure that you get it right. We don't need any screw-ups. Thank you. Turning my attention to the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens just recently released Earl Thomas for an altercation that he had in practice. This is a crazy development. I can't believe that it actually happened. Earl Thomas is one of the best safeties in football, but what I'm hearing out of Baltimore camp is that he wasn't a good guy to be around. He was very unlikable. He was late to practice. He was missing assignments on purpose. And it kind of makes you wonder, was he doing the Antonio Brown? Was he trying to get out of Baltimore on purpose? Maybe he was trying to get where he wanted to be. Remember initially when Earl Thomas wanted his money out of Seattle and they wouldn't pay him and he was desperate to get out of there and there was one team that he wanted to go to, the Dallas Cowboys. Who's to say that Earl Thomas said to himself, how can I get out of this situation? How can I get to Dallas? I know I'm going to be the worst teammate I possibly can be. I'm going to be late every day and I'm going to make them kick me off this team. I'm going to make them cut me. So at least I can get my guaranteed money and then get another deal from the Cowboys. The Seahawks had a deal in place with the Cowboys a couple years ago. And then they upped the deal. So Jerry Jones said, I, I, I'm not going to do that. Those son of bitches made the deal a little harder for me. So we're not going to do it. Earl Thomas understood this and he said, don't worry, Jerry. I got you. I'm going to make them hate me and kick me the hell out of Baltimore so we can get busy. Mike McCarthy has already came out and said that they've had internal discussions about bringing Earl Thomas in. I think it will be a good move for the Cowboys. It will shore up that safety spot. They need somebody that's a dog, that's a hawk. They already got some young guys that could take the ball away. You put Earl Thomas in that defense and you got a problem. You really have some disruption that you can cause in the NFC. So they got to get it done. Jerry... Get it done. After the break, the greatest segment on the planet, Dummy of the Week, on a Monday. It's all leaving. This is a public service announcement. Down in your luck? Tired of being curved? Sick of going out with the fellas and being the only loser without a lady? Well, I got something for you. It's called Sex Panther. Legend has it that it's made out of real bits of real panther, so you know it's good. To men, it stings the nostrils. But to women, you may as well be a slab of meat in a dog pound. And that's not all it does. You could be getting ready to see that special fox and disaster hits. No money in the budget for gas, only dinner for two. No problem. The fumes from Sex Panther can give your car 38 miles to the gallon. Sold you yet? I thought so. For $69.99, go from unlovable loser to the cock in the walk. Sex Panther. 60% of the time, it works every time. Welcome back, y'all. So without further ado, the greatest segment on the planet, Dummy of the Week. We pick candidates on Monday and Friday, and then we pick the winner on that Friday show. So the first candidate for this week, may I have the drum roll, please? And the candidate is... 
The New York Mets. The New York Mets are my candidate for because they tested positive for COVID last week when they're supposed to have the Subway Series and had to have the series postponed. Now everybody's clear, and now they want to start the series against the best team in baseball, in my opinion, the New York Yankees. No. Why don't you just stay out? Why don't everybody just lie and say that they have COVID? Because I don't want to see the Mets get beat up. I don't want to see the Mets get obliterated by the Yankees. I'm tired of it. I want them to continue to run this lie and say that everybody's sick. And that they have to postpone the games for the next two weeks. I need a break. Five days is not enough. So I'm telling the Mets, make sure that somebody comes down with mono in the next 24 hours. Make something up. Make something up. It doesn't have to be COVID. But make something up because I don't want to see this team play. My blood pressure is too high for this. I need a break. I need a rest. I yell at my son because of the Mets. I yell at my mother because of the Mets. I yell at my girlfriend because of the Mets. This is what it does to me. It turns me into an awful person. The Mets have ruined me. They need to just stop. Give me another five days and I could be all right. So the New York Mets, you'll possibly get a win this week. No, 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 not against the Yankees. They're going to kill you. But you're possibly a winner for Dummy of the Week. I'm going to end the show a little differently today because it's officially Mamba Day. And this day is very, very important to me. It always has been. But this year is very different. This is going to be the first year that Kobe is not here to celebrate Mamba Day. And I still haven't gotten over it. You know, he was my hero. He was the greatest player that I've ever seen. My competitive spirit comes from that guy. My drive to win, my drive to never lose a card game or a race or a pickup basketball game comes from him. And I just want to honor him in in my special way. So I'm going to let him have the last word. I'll see y'all on Friday. We love you, Kobe. A one-point game. Bryant for the win. Dear Basketball. From the moment I started rolling my dad's tube socks and shooting imaginary game-winning shots in the Great Western Forum, I knew one thing was real. I fell in love with you. A love so deep, I gave you my all. From my mind and body, to my spirit and soul. As a six-year-old boy, I'm deeply in love with you. I never saw the end of the tunnel. I only saw myself running out of one. And so I ran. I ran up and down every court after every loose ball for you. You asked for my hustle. 
I gave you my heart. Because it came with so much more. I played through the sweat and the hurt. Not because challenge called me. But because you called me. I did everything for you. Because that's what you do when someone makes you feel as alive as you've made me feel. You gave a six-year-old boy his Laker dream. And I'll always love you for it. love you obsessively for much longer. This season is all I have left to give. My heart can take the pounding. My mind can handle the grind. But my body knows it's time to say goodbye. And that's okay. I'm ready to let you go. I want you to know now so we both can savor every moment we have left together. The good and the bad. We have given each other all that we have. And we both know, no matter what I do next, I'll always be that kid with the rolled up socks, garbage can in the corner, five seconds from the clock, ball in my hands. Five, four, three, two, one. You can catch me on Twitter and Instagram at All Even Podcast. Listen to the show on SoundCloud. And check out my YouTube channel, All Even Podcast. And don't forget to share, like, and hit that subscribe button. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Picture yourself wrapped in its softness. Whether you're enjoying a captivating TV show, gathered around a crackling campfire, or cheering for your favorite football team, Minky understands your fall cravings. Our blankets are tailor-made for those heartwarming autumn vibes. With a variety of colors, they're perfect for complementing the hues of fall, as well as showing off your team pride with their vibrant team colors. And the best part? We've got sizes for the whole family, ensuring that everyone can experience the joy of cozying up in Minky's embrace. This fall, let Minky be your companion in creating unforgettable moments. Wrap yourself in comfort, share love, and relish the essence of the season. Minky Blankets, where warmth meets love in every color for every moment. Fall into one of our Minky Couture stores or visit us online at minkycouture.com.